0: think about how this game is different if Missouri is scoring the way they are and some of those third and sixes and third and nines that Fromm executed in the first quarter, even the second quarter, we're starting to sweat that out even more if that 21-21 is 21-7 and it might have been if Fromm hadn't made some great throws then.
1: So, how did you feel with 11.34 left in the second quarter right after Missouri's quarterback Drew Locke heaved his second 63 yard touchdown pass to Emmanuel Hall and tied Georgia 21 21? Well, if you were anything like our very own Tony Waller, you were dismayed, distressed, and concerned about Georgia's chances of putting the Tigers away Saturday night. But the Dogs responded with 26 unanswered points before Missouri and Locke grabbed themselves another touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. The big takeaway for the dogs from the Missouri game was to see how the coaches and the team would react when a lesser opponent stood up and threatened their undefeated record. The answer included a near record night of offense, yet plenty of coaching opportunities for the coaches heading into the bye week. I'd say that's a win-win situation. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall and you're listening to episode 107 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. On today's postgame episode, will Tony and I take a quick look at the test that Missouri threw up to Georgia and analyzed the nail-biting early moments. We, of course, spend some time praising the dog's offense. And even though it's sort of insignificant right now, we allow ourselves time to debate whether UGA is appropriately ranked in the polls. So thanks for tuning us in. And heads up on the audio quality at times, this was recorded via Skype. So just wanted to let you know. Here's Will to kick us off.
0: All right, gentlemen, the final score... Was Georgia, uh, I think I need scientific notation to be able to figure this out. Georgia won 53 to 28. I find both of those numbers kind of amazing. Uh, which one stands out more to you? Tony, start us off. What was your first immediate gut takeaway from Saturday night's game?
2: As the game progressed, it occurred to me that um, part of my freak out about how we were playing was really a result of three plays and an interception. That was the difference. I mean, I mean, fifty-three points impressive. What's even more impressive is three hundred plus yards of offense, on um, both passing and rushing. In that, the fact that they just basically shut them down, except for, for except for three plays. Those could be three important plays down the road, but it's still pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, same for me. I, I could tell Tony was kind of in freak out mode with the, <laughs> the tweets he was sending. And I was responding, trying to just let him know, like, hey, dude, we're fine. And I was not at the game. My dad took my seats. And I <laughs> will. I know you you sat next to my, mm-hmm. my dad and my, my boys. And so I you know, I graciously let him go enjoy because he doesn't get to go as many as I do. And I was watching at home with my wife and a couple of her friends. Um, yeah, I could do that. And uh, they were freaking out. I mean, total freak out mode, 14 to seven, it was 14, 14. And I had this calm over me. And I looked at him, just, and because I'm usually kind of on, I might sometimes take the whole Larry Munson esque approach, you know, of like, oh no, where the sky's falling. But I was uh, especially calm because, and, I told him, I was like, look, we're going to be fine. Same thing. I was tweeting to Tony and they looked at me deadpan and said, how do you know? Or why are you so confident? I was like, our talent is superior than theirs and they might score 21, 28. I don't know know—something points, but we will outscore them. You know, it's just that confidence. I mean, I think you probably felt it and Tony just said it what he, what in his opening statement, he realized it, you know, kind of looking back, I think I was most impressed with the score that Georgia put up 53 because it could have been 70 easily. It could have easily been 70 points.
0: Yeah, it's fine because it really did, even when Missouri was kind of matching them point for point, you know, th- those were good pl- passes by Locke, and I think, you know, we can get into a larger discussion of how much work the secondary really has to do, or if this was a little bit of a fluke, a couple of plays. I mean, there's two, what, 63-yard touchdown passes. Uh, that's not something I, I think is going to be a common problem. They do feel there's a little kind of an oddness to, to both of them. Uh, but even when they were giving up those points, I never felt like uh oh this is really in trouble now and it's fine because this was a weekend where everybody everybody lost to really bad teams or at least a lot lesser teams some of the higher level teams i never really felt that uh that was the situation here particularly once after they got that after missouri got their third touchdown and everybody started freaking out you could kind of see the clamps tightened, and they just tightened for the rest of the game, and that was pretty much uh, the, the the way it worked. I think I hadn't been for Fromm's kneel down. By the way, Fromm was the guy that knelt down. Well, that's a conversation we should probably have at some point. Uh, I, I think that was like kept them from what getting seven hundred yards. Is that correct? I think kept them from being uh, getting seven hundred yard offense. Obviously, poured it on that way. Missouri has a really bad defense. We saw that in the very first game of the year against Missouri State. Do you feel like this was just Georgia? Pounding a lousy opponent or did we learn something more about the offense this game because they poured up so many points and, uh, and poured up so many yards?
2: I think it's probably a little bit of both I mean you know the thing that I was concerned about when we were when, when Scott was telling me to, to calm down really was was that we had' looked we looked early like we were not going to be able to run the ball really well as it turned out that was completely <laughs> a, uh, a foolish thing to even worry about. Um, but you know, this is what this is what George is. I mean, we soften you up early. We soften you up early. We take a couple of dinks and dunks over, over the you know, passes over the middle, and then next thing you know, you you throw a 15-yard curl to Mikael Hardeman, and he decides to cut across the field and just outrun everybody by. You know, basically, even people with angles on him. I mean, it is really impressive. Uh, as as well as George's playing defensively, to watch what they did against Missouri and, and Missouri. I mean, we've we've known Missouri's defense is not great, uh, but 700 plus yards of offense is is really it's really impressive. And I don't think there's any way around that. Um, and, and overall, I mean, they they got. 160 yards, 170 yards on three plays, and that was half their total offensive output.
1: In the 696 yards of total offense, I looked it up, it was the most offense that Georgia has scored, really the second time ever, (laughs) and I think it's the most, uh, they got the most in 2012 against Florida Atlantic, and think back, 2012, was the last great Georgia team that we had. So, you know, coincidence, I think not.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the secondary then. Do we feel, you you talked about those two plays and maybe being too alarming. After the game, obviously, again, you know, Kirby Smart is a guy who, when they were killing Tennessee at halftime, was complaining about blowing timeouts. (laughs) So he obviously is a guy that can be a bit of perfectionist on this stuff. But certainly he did not seem happy, uh, with, with how the defense played. Do you feel like there is a loting for the fact that in, that it's very, it's still possible, particularly what, from what we saw from Auburn this weekend, that Locke may be the best or the second best quarterback that, that Georgia will face all year. And this is a, certainly a team that's based in throwing the ball, whereas most SEC teams are not, but throwing the ball. Should we be alarmed or a little bit more concerned about the secondary? Or is this just kind of like, uh, a a homecoming game after a lot of emotional ups the last couple of weeks, uh, heading into a bye week, just kind of maybe getting slow started from those guys.
2: Yeah, I think the probably the, the biggest takeaway for me is that the secondary uh, still has some room to grow. Uh, both touchdown passes were, uh, looked to me, I haven't rewatched it, looked to me like they were switch routes and um, somebody lost coverage and, and re- well, realized a step too late. And Drew Locke has the arm to beat you when you do that, especially deep. Um, you know, Scott, you talked about, is, is it Jay Moore? Is that how you say the guy's name? Uh, they called the passes. I have to go back and look. I don't remember. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Emmanuel Hall's is one that called the passes. You do have to keep in mind that Georgia's defense still has room to grow. Those explosive plays are the kind of things that kill you when you get in a close game, which is actually what I was worried about.
1: In that um, second touchdown pass they scored, they were playing a deep cover three and McGee didn't bail. He didn't start bailing. He was playing tight coverage. And so all it took was for Hall to just kind of do a swim move and, you know, stutter step and get by him. And then yeah. Sanders was just way too deep to get over to, to cover him. I think it was it was almost like more on McGee. Um, Jordan Rogers did a real good job of explaining it on the broadcast. Last night, you know, because he was a quarterback at um, Vanderbilt and a very good bachelor and married uh, Jojo or will be marrying Jojo. <laughs> oh, I'm um, sure
0: that relationship's going to last forever.
1: <laughs> but uh, he did a real good job of pointing it out and kind of drawing it up, and it made sense of, you know, just basically a blown coverage. And I'm not real worried about it. I think, yeah, I think of, of any weak link we have in the secondary that could crop up would be the secondary. I'm sorry weekly on defense but you know hey it's a great time for the off week and you know that they're going to get that ground into their their minds and their coverages are going to be playing against florida in two weeks from now so the bye week, I think, is coming
0: at a pretty handy time because I think it's a clear separation between this pretty exciting 7-0 start that I'm sure we'll talk more about uh, during our off-week uh, podcast uh, later on this week, but and, and really the toughness that's coming up. And uh, Even though Florida is obviously not looking that great with another loss, it's still Florida. That still a, is a big deal. And then obviously with Auburn losing, it's still Auburn. That's a scary game with everything else that's coming up there. Uh, never mind the South Carolina now looks like the team that's most... Likely to be able to stop them, uh, and they've got them coming up in a couple weeks as well. This still feels like an ideal time for the bye week, and it particularly sounds like an it feels like an ideal time for the bye week because that kind of separation of the first part of the season, the second part of the season. Frankly, it feels like. That may be the case with the quarterback situation as well. As everybody knows, I've been an Eason defender, but while still saying that Fromm should be the quarterback of this team, I'd heard people discussing, wondering whether or not Issa was going to get first half reps in this game. It turns out that he got no reps with either the first or the second team. I don't think the second team was ever really in. Uh, I'm curious what we think about that. This looks to me... As definitive a thing yet, where a game that Georgia clearly had the game in hand, and Eason did not come in, this feels like I don't think we should expect Eason to come in, and particularly with the way that Fromm played, this feels like a pretty defensive, definitive. This is not a one keeping one guy warm because uh, you may need him to win situation. This feels like Fromm is the starter, Eason is the backup, and that's just the way it's going to be.
2: Yeah, I don't. I can't see any reason to argue with that. There's no way around that, that there were opportunities for Eaton to come in this week, particularly that last drive where you know we got the ball back with, what, seven minutes and just held on to it. We had him hand off the ball at the end of the game against Tennessee. Why not this time? Um, yeah, that's right. It's also worth noting, From was awesome.
0: Uh, that, obviously, that first interception, I, I, tra- I texted you guys uh, saying, well, you know, it's a good thing Eason didn't throw the interception or people might have been mad, uh, which I, I couldn't resist that joke. But Fromm was so good the rest of the way that I can't uh, – I, I couldn't push that too much because that, that interception was was bad. But think about how this game is different. If Missouri is scoring the way they are, and some of those third and sixes and third and nines that Fromm executed in the first quarter, even the second quarter, we're starting to sweat that out even more if that 21-21 is 21-7. And it might have been if Fromm hadn't have made some great throws then.
2: I think the trust that you're seeing the coaches have in Fromm now do indicate that he is 100% the guy. There were a couple of plays. Um, you know, the interceptions, no doubt, he just stared and it down. But later in the game, he did look off a, uh, look off a corner. Uh, I want to say uh, the Wims pass down the left sideline there, right in front of the Georgia bench on third and something. I don't remember exactly the play it was. But he, he did a nice little job looking off the receiver there. You know, Will, I'd like to ask you what you thought about the two-point conversion. I know there's there's a chart for such things, and after the life mm-hmm. of me tried to do the math and couldn't figure out why we were going for a two-point conversion other than, hey, we could and we hadn't tried it yet, so let's do it. Um, did you did did that feel strange to you?
0: It felt like. Still trying to figure this out. Like this, and this was the definitive. From's the dude. We've all been waiting for an opponent to say, "Okay, we obviously you guys can run." Uh And for the first half of this game, until the run game really f- f- broke through, that was clearly what Missouri was just trying to do. Like, okay, we're going to make Fromm beat us. And I think that the coaching staff recognized that and be like, "Okay, Fromm's rolling right now. This is a situation he's going to come into. Eventually, there's going to be a two point conversion that we're really going to need. Let's make sure he can run this." And I think that. That, as much as anything, I felt was... It feels like whenever Easton has come in late, like, like look what look what uh, got Easton in trouble in the Vanderbilt game, uh, it was Kirby and the staff saying we've got to make sure to get him a rep that we want him to have in case we ever need it. Like it's clearly something they regularly want to have. I found it telling that in this game that two point conversion that was the let's get from a rep that he otherwise isn't getting that we're going to need him to have in the future. I thought that was very telling. I. At this point, you know, at this point, I feel like the days of coaches getting so angry about uh, running up the score or not taking it easy, it feels like a, that, that almost feels like maybe it's becoming a little bit more of a relic. I think everybody understands that even when you, whether you're winning by a lot or losing by a lot, every moment in game time is training for a future moment and practice for a future moment. So it seems like coaches are getting less angry about that anymore. I certainly did not sense a Missouri. I mean, like, listen. Every Missouri fan I know is just waiting for basketball to start, so so yeah. I don't think that like anyone's too offended uh, by anything that, that that they have going on right now. But I do think I think that's what that's about, and I understand why they did it.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably right. And you you have you talk about having the opportunity to having the opportunity to, to practice some things. Kirby got all over the receiver there. I don't remember who it was, but there was a curb, uh, The receiver clearly ran the wrong route. They were trying to fade, and that's a good point. You know, that's the fade is a very important play. Controversial play, but a very important play <laughs> inside the five-yard line. But you know, one of the one of the fun things about Saturday, we did have some Missouri people come by and we'll say they are just the nicest people. I mean, they really are. It's so they're so they're so Big Ten. Midwesterners are awesome. Midwesterners are good
0: people. Midwesterners are wonderful human beings. Always remember that. And particularly, Missouri, I think, was the best kind of Midwestern for Southerners in that they did not challenge the Southerners at all. They're just like, beat us, we know. Again, we're waiting for basketball to start. I'd like to talk a little bit uh, on the show later this week. Speaking of basketball, the kind of unveiling of segment uh, this week will be kind of an interesting thing as well. But uh, yeah, Missouri people are nice people, and you definitely don't have to worry about them taking over the stadium, particularly when you're one and five coming in. Did the they not even bring
1: their band? I didn't see yeah. them. I didn't think they were there. No. Nope. They no, did not bring amazing. their band. Hey, Tony, I got a question for you. What, what were you doing on those first two kickoffs by Rodrigo?
2: <laughs> Freaking out. <laughs> Are you serious? Well, the first one, the first, it was just the first one was just short. The second one, it was sort of like a knuckle ball, some yeah. sort of wacky. I think he just missed the ball twice because he really got it together. My track at the end It was like, "What's that nine in a row now <laughs> or something?" I don't know how many kickoffs we had, but um, yeah, I was I was a little I was a little put aside by it.
1: And any of y'all, uh, and also I wanted to hear both of y'all's thoughts on the fact that Penn State is idle this week. I did notice that Georgia is fifteen points. South of uh, Penn State uh, being, you know, Georgia's in the third position, Penn State's too. The fact that they didn't play, are they just getting, you know, just an attaboy or accolades for not getting passed during an off week?
0: I mean, I think it's I think, frankly, is the way Missouri is right now. Georgia and Penn State kind of both had an off week, I think, in the eyes of everybody. Like, I don't think I don't think Georgia's going to get any extra points for uh, for for winning this game that Penn State doesn't get for 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 not playing. So uh, and it's fine because, you know, you talk about Penn State. Yeah, they're number two right now. Check out what they've got coming up. They have Hmm. they are home against Michigan this week and then at Penn State the week after that. So if Georgia they're uh, they're playing themselves. Uh sorry, they're at the the home I'm sorry, the home against Michigan and they're at Ohio State. There we go. Sorry about that. They're home against Michigan and at Ohio State. So they have their toughest two games of the season coming up. If they win both of those, Georgia is definitely not going to run them down unless they uh uh stay undefeated through a theoretical something that would not even maybe happen because who knows who's talking about that now. SEC championship game. But it is a very real opportunity with Penn State's two toughest games coming up in the next two weeks. It's possible. It's possible, it's possible. We're looking at Alabama 1-2 on Halloween, which is really kind of an amazing thing. All right, gents. Let's do the big show this week. We're going to be coming out. Uh, uh, we're, we're taping a day later this week, so uh, which is fine. It's a bye week. We can, you know, we don't need to rush it. We got a bye week. So um, um, otherwise, I hope everybody saw. I was on. Uh, I was on Fox News this morning talking about uh, Colin Kaepernick and the NFL situation. I'm on with Howard Kurtz on the Media Buzz. I've known Howard for a long time. He's a very nice man. I always enjoy talking to him. And I also enjoy uh, check getting to my car after I tape it and seeing how much everyone is yelling at me. I think the best. Con- I got today and Scott before warned a little bit, maybe up for the beep. It's not, it's not uh, George Carlin six dirty words you can't say, but I did definitely enjoy going to my phone. I'm like, Oh, well, let's see what Twitter has to say to me after I had this opportunity to talk to the television viewers of America. Hey, why don't you take Hillary's balls out of your mouth? So that
2: was nice. That was nice. Cool. That was nice. That that seems, was good. It seems very uh, yeah. seems apropos. Yeah, that was um, nice.
0: I wasn't even that bad. Oh. I thought it was very reasonable. Anyway, uh, so guys, uh, it's uh, off week. Everybody stretch. Everyone relax. Seven and zero. Seven and zero. Everybody take a break. Now they're now they're 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 still. Bowl eligible, even if it turns out that App State uh, has to go down a level. <laughs> I think that's or Missouri <laughs> actually actually has to go down a level. Yeah. They still have enough right. games. Yeah, sounds about right. Other than that, I'll see you guys uh, this week for the big pregame show. Seven and O, guys, go dogs, go dogs.
1: And thanks so much for listening. Even though the dogs are taking the week off, the three of us will be back this week for our preview podcast. What will we be previewing? I'm not exactly sure, but we will be answering some of your questions that have been submitted via iTunes on our podcast feed. Better way of saying that is I guess many of our gracious listeners, including some of you listening right now have left us a podcast review and rating. And in the review, they've asked us a couple of questions, which we will gladly answer as you keep leaving them. And thanks for all of you who have done this. And if you haven't yet done it and have an iPhone available or know someone that has an iPhone, that would be awesome if you could do so. Or if you want to send us a question to answer on the show via Twitter because you don't have an iPhone, just hit us up at WSLS podcast. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and Facebook because we are putting content up on those sites as well. Enjoy your off week. You deserve it. We deserve it. The dogs deserve it. The coaches deserve it. We'll check in with you in a few days for our next preview podcast. And we'll we'll see you on campus next month. Georgia wins 53-28 with almost 700 yards of total offense. What a performance. As always, Go Dogs.